Welcome everyone once again to Night Court, playoff edition of the podcast. Glad you are with us. I'm Rob Fisher, Grizzlies host, television host, sideline reporter, on Twitter, at the Fish Nation, and Brevin Knight, 12-year NBA veteran, Stanford alum, Grizzlies broadcaster, color analyst for the Grizzlies on television. He's on Twitter, at Brevin Knight 22. This show is on Twitter. You can follow it at Night Court 22. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure you tell more friends. A lot of people have been tuning in. We appreciate it. We thank you for tuning in. This has been a crazy series to talk about, Brevin. I don't even know what to say anymore. How are you? <laughs> I'm... I'm- I'm great uh, and, and happy that we are still in the driver's seat mm-hmm. with this with this series and one in which you turn and say, how are we still how? in the driver's seat? Because the Timberwolves uh, have outplayed in terms of stretches of time. Their play has been better over the longer haul than the Grizzlies has. And the Grizzlies lead three games to two, trying to close it out in Minneapolis on Friday night. Um, All right, let's try to explain (laughs) Game 5 the best we can. Before the game on Grizzlies Live pregame, we had our three-pointer that night. The question was, what's the biggest factor for a Grizzlies win tonight? Chris Vernon said, number of fouls need to be down. A number of foul shots need to be down so we can have a rhythm to the game. There were three fewer foul shots in game five than there were in that game four that everybody talked about. Just three. (laughs) You said the three-pointer factor, which has been a factor the whole series. And we talk about it coming in, that it's probably the biggest statistical factor difference between these two teams. Timberwolves had their average of 14. The Grizzlies had seven. They doubled them up, seven. And the Grizzlies don't win when they have single-digit threes. Right. So you were wrong. I said the pillars of the organization need to take over this game, Ja and Jaron. So maybe I get half a point. You get get half. Okay, so let's take away our – what have been the other factors throughout the series? Okay. um, Turnovers. Turnovers. Okay, that's one, I guess, right? Offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds, huge in the fourth quarter in game five, huge. And and that that, that goes to possessions because we always say to be able to make up for the three-point difference, Mm -hmm. you would like to have more possessions. Um, And they've been able to do – they've been able to turnover game, force the turnovers and score, and they've been able to get the offensive rebounds and score off of that with those possessions. So I think those are the two areas. And then fast break points. They've been able to manufacture some mm-hmm. fast. Those had 11 in the second quarter, which the, was big. Exactly. So those three areas have made up for the other areas that, that we talk about as being the ones that you want to work on and, and identify. Well, what they did was they kept their identity of who they are. And the essence of these points in the paint. Uh, in the last game, I think they're another plus 20-plus points in a paint in game mm-hmm. in game five. And so uh, they've been able to still be themselves while some other anomalies still go on. A lot of anomalies. It's crazy. Uh, I'll give a tease here for those who will be watching tomorrow night, the Fish Nugget on the pregame show. The Minnesota Timberwolves have played 88 games this year. 82 in the regular season, the play-in game, and now five here in the postseason against the Grizzlies. They have lost three double-digit fourth-quarter leads all season. 
all three of them have been to the Grizzlies. One in the regular season when they came back from 16 down with about seven minutes left. Yep. And then the two here in this series. This looks like the Grizz. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves look like, okay, they're the team that's getting playoff experience and learning how much you have to value every single position. Possession. That's what they're learning. The Grizzlies... What are, what, are, what are the Grizzlies learning in this series? That the playoffs are really hard? Well, it's very hard being the uh, higher seed. Higher seed, yeah. It's very hard being the higher seed when the expectation is to win and how hard the opponent is going to play against you in these moments because the opponent has nothing to lose. They've made it to the playoffs. It's a pat on the back for this organization that hasn't been there in a long time. And... Now they feel like they are at least in their eyes equal to you. And so that's what that's what makes it much harder being in the position that this team is in because nobody has been in this position. None, none of them. Like the Grizzlies are used to having to fight from behind, play in game situation. You get in. Now can you just give this team a run for their money? That's what they're that's what they're accustomed to. But now to be the team that that people are saying, oh, this could be a championship team. Oh, this is the number two best record in the NBA, not just the Western Conference. Then the, the pressures are a lot different of what you have to go out and play against. I felt like in game five, and we talked about Taylor Jenkins after the game and his emotion that we saw after the game. I thought Taylor Jenkins, I thought he did a great job. He He encouraged the team and encourage them by continuing to praise them for how hard they were playing and said that we're getting tough breaks or, hey, they just went on a run, whatever. But he encouraged them throughout the whole game, almost to the point when the game was over. I think his exuberation was because he willed them to just fight. Right. And how did the team win this game? They fought right. and just found a way. There's no secret to, well, this is how they won. They fought. They yes. put a lineup out there that hadn't played a minute together all season, and that lineup won you the game. Well, here's the thing that I say is why Taylor Jenkins, to me, is coach of the year and why the Grizzlies were able to win 56 games is because as good as – I don't know if that's good or as well. I know somebody's going to say my that's <laughs> wrong. Uh, I didn't use the right grammatical expression. Right. But – as good as the the players have gotten for the team to get better, I think he and his staff have gotten better every year. And I and I thought for Taylor this year, what took the big jump forward was in game coaching. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was he always was a guy that was the preparation side was always there. Um, guys were always ready. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. Now it became a matter of just the feel of the game uh, of of. When who do I put in? Why? It's just a it's a rhythm that you get into. He found that rhythm this year, and I think Game Five was just another example of him understanding the team, but also the team believing in him. Yeah, like that's the 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 relationship between he himself and the team is such a strong bond that in those instances he can still give them what they need yeah. to pull through. We'll get to John in a minute. We haven't even mentioned John in that fourth quarter, which was spectacular. But, but just <laughs> staying on Taylor just for a second, I thought it was an interesting move. You said coaching with feel. I, I thought it was great when he left Jaron in with three fouls. Yes. I thought it was great when he left Jaron in with four fouls. 
Because to me, it was, what else can I do? I mean, if this guy's going to get in a rhythm, he's got to be on the floor. So go get four. I mean, what? It, we're not, we're not going to win if I take him off the floor. Right. Well, and yeah. I thought that was that was pretty bold because he he hasn't really done that. He's almost played by the book in foul situations for most of the time. Well, he he is. Well, he he also understands the the gravity of these games. Yes. It, 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 you can't save anything. It, it, you got to sometimes got to roll the dice mm -hmm. and, and and rolling that dice with Jaron is is a good roll of the dice. We know how how much of a impact he is for this team, and so um, that one. The, the the lineup that he played at the end of the game, though, some part of it is forced because Jaron fouls out of the game. Mm -hmm. But at that point, you can say that we can still put some big in Tillman. the game. Tillman, I can go put Adams in the game at this point. But he's but to be able to say the trust in Dylan, something that doesn't get talked about a lot is Dylan's defense on Carl Anthony Towns mm -hmm. was spectacular. To for Carl Anthony Towns to in essence be a non-factor at that way. And I'm not just talking scoring. He was a non-factor on the boards. And that was huge at that point in the game. Um, and so j just to say at that time, okay, Tyus with Ja, that means Ja could be behind. Tyus can handle. Dylan gets up into there. Brandon Clark has just been absolutely fantastic. And Desmond Bain, another, we said defensively, individually, I thought from game one, has taken a, a big step forward with his individual defense. Um, all right, Ja, that, that fourth quarter performance, it started with the dunk at, at the end of the third quarter, which was spectacular. Uh, and, and then it finishes with the game-winning drive to the basket, uh, the same play that they ran in Phoenix. It's called Ja Get a Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what they're coming right on the board. <laughs> and uh, and he did. Uh, he went and got a bucket. Uh, Edwards goes for the steal, which was interesting, odd, um, a learning lesson, I think. But uh, good pass by Dylan. And, uh, and Ja finishes, and, and the Grizzlies win somehow. And, and Ja was the best player on the floor in the fourth quarter. Well, and listen, the same way you say somehow the Grizzlies won, somehow he had the energy to do what he did in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. Because he played the entire second half, half yeah. and you can start to see it wearing on him from time to time with with what the energy that he had to put forth in, in that quarter. And so it was it was absolutely amazing. Let me tell you this on the dunk. Usually we get the, the dunks happen, and you'll hear me in the background saying something. The dunk happened – and at such a point in the game where there was nothing going on for the Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. And then that happened. It was almost like I just sat there and just was like, damn. Like, that, th this, that could change the whole thing. But for one moment, I, I forgot that I was on TV. <laughs> Maybe it was like, I got to say something. I'm supposed to be saying something now. <laughs> but it, it caught me off guard when he did it in terms of how far it went. But just at that point in the game. What was going on at that at that juncture, and and it changed, and then he went to the fourth quarter, and he showed why he is different than anybody else that's on the floor. He, he just has a it's a different gear, a different click, um, and and he he turned that switch on. It was it was unbelievable to see. It was great to see. Now we move on, but we're not hold on. We can't go beyond Brandon Clark. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brandon yeah, again, Clark. Again, because you already know who will be on top of let, my behind. Well, let me, That's right. I know. 
And let me ask you about Brandon Clark. I can't believe I forgot that. I, I almost want to stop this and go back and erase that. <laughs> By the way, we've already done that once tonight. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> uh, Brandon Clark, arguably the play of the year for the Memphis Grizzlies season, the tap out to Ja, Ja knocks down the three. The fact that he had seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter alone, Mm -hmm. amongst those trees that they have and the length that they have by himself, lets you know the type of determination that he has to win. And you're exact, the tap out, right to jaw, in rhythm, no hesitation, knocks down the three. That's when you start to feel like, I don't think the Timberwolves can come back from, from this role that the Grizzlies are on. But he's hit between he and Desmond Bain, uh, you're talking about some of the most consistent play that you can ask for from guys in their first real playoff basketball, especially for Brandon Clark, who didn't play much at all last season. And played, um, what, 37 minutes, I think it was? In total. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. last game. I mean, he, played, he might have played 37 minutes in total in his first play, uh, right. playoffs right. last year. But to play 37 last night. And then with the fashion, as hard as he is playing, I mean, it, it's it's really – I'm very happy for him because he's doing Brandon Clark stuff. Mm-hmm. It, there's no hesitation. He is just a ball of energy. And, and uh, like I said, between he and Desmond Bain, uh, they've had the capes on yeah. uh, the entire playoff series. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll start with game six, where we've talked every show. <laughs> Stephen Adams is now out, health and safety protocol. Changed my entire thought process for game six. I thought this might be the game. You thought I... I had, you said it on TV. I had a whole game plan for how you can play him. Oh. Out the window. Out the window. Hopefully we can save it for the next round, maybe. Well, they, uh, you, you, listen, they, they win this. they're going to need them in the mm-hmm. next round. That's right. That's right. So, I guess you go back to Xavier Tillman. I mean, you did get off to a great start in Game 5. Yeah, I think you, you, can, you can go back to Tillman. I thought he... It keeps he, rotations where you, you want him, right? Yeah, and I think you cannot worry about the foul trouble if he does pick up fouls early. Mm-hmm. And because you do have other guys, you show... The smaller lineup with Dylan Gardner. You still got Kyle Anderson and talking about Gardner, Carl Anthony Towns. You still have Dylan. And and when Steven, when I was going to say about Steven Adams playing, I was going to say for Jaron Jackson Jr., a lot of his fouls have come off the ball yes. or offensive fouls. He hasn't gotten a lot of on-ball fouls. So my thing would be if Steven Adams was playing, if he did start, was let Steven Adams guard Jared Vanderbilt who does nothing away from the basket. So that gives us our strong rebounder to mm-hmm. be on the right. But it gives us our more athletic big guy to play Carl Anthony Towns. If you got to play screen and roll, he can switch. Tell him the space guys, just get your hand up. But it engages him more than just standing down here with this guy to wrestle with and bang with him. Well, that's not real. That's not his game. Mm-hmm. So let someone, let Steven Adams wrestle and bang. Maybe if you do that with Tillman, if they switch and let – Jaron Guard, I know we try to keep him away because of the fouls, but almost the fouls are coming when he has to come to help. But the fouling of a three-point shot, those fouls have to stop. He's those got are- to be more disciplined, has to be more disciplined. And, and how do you 
How do you make that happen by the next game? I think, as Taylor Jenkins always just said, just you, you got to, A, be more disciplined. You have to be more disciplined. And, B, you just have to go back to what you have learned to do and do it better. Well, I think it's just show the film. And, and I've talked about the, this, is, this is a highly, highly emotionally uh, charged games. And I think a little bit for Jaron, it is almost like I almost want you to take a step back. Just take your foot off of the throttle a little bit because some of the issues that he's having is just going so hard, going so mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I run into you, bang, and, I, and, and he's big. And so now I hit you, you fall, I fall, and now here's another foul. Mm-hmm. But I just want to just dial back a little bit because as I, I'm going to continue to say, the stats don't matter as much for Jaron as it matters is if he's on the floor, he's going to get stats because he's that good. Just need for him to be on the floor, and that's the biggest thing. That yeah. If somebody beats you to the basket sometime, let them go. Some might say put your best five on the floor, and right now Brandon Clark's one of your best five. Yeah, but at the in the right rotation. Like I don't want Brand, I don't like I don't like wasting Brandon Clark minutes and effort too early in the game. Like you want to keep him in. If you can get him to still come in at the six minute mark, that's good. Why their rotation guys are now coming into the game? Maybe it's at the end of a, the tail end of a stretch of a of a a starter. Now he has the energy. He has the bounce. Uh, and I love him being able to play with Tyus as much as possible. They have a connection on how to get the ball to one another, and they do a good job. Even though he's not a hard screen setter, he still does a good job of his little slip of still giving Tyus enough of an edge to get to the basket. Why is a closeout game the hardest game in basketball? If I have been through it before, I could have a, a true sense to say this is why. I, mm-hmm. I From experience, I have none. From being a basketball player and being in pressure situations, I can say is because you are you are trying to do everything right to win. The other people are playing desperate to stay around, and so again, it goes back to what you're playing against that makes it so hard. And I, Steph Curry said it in their closeout game. Number one, they hadn't done it in so long. He had to remember. He rem- had to remind themselves of how hard you have to compete in order to win. And so hopefully for this Grizzly team and from what I've heard and, and playing, I kind of just equate them to uh, NCAA games. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you kind of want a one, this is your one time to be done and move forward. And th- this is here, here it is your one time to be done and move forward. And so in those instances, you just, you want to go out and make sure that you play your hardest and, and, and but stay within yourself. Don't try to do things outside of yourself. Chris Finch, the head coach of the Timberwolves, after or it was before Game Five, was asked how his team was able to bounce back in Game Four after you know giving up the twenty-six point lead in Game Three, and he just said, he said you'd think it would be really difficult, right? And he said, but these guys, you know, we watched film, we watched the good stuff that we did, and there was a lot of good stuff that we did. So we felt pretty good about ourselves coming into game four, and we knew it was a big game, and we played big, and, and we were able to get the win. Okay, now now they got to do it again. And to me, I, I listen to Chris Finch, and I think, oh, okay, this team's playing pretty confident. We know that. Malik Beasley said yesterday, we got to take care of business. Go back to Memphis, pack for Golden State, and take care of this thing. 
He said, that's the confidence we have as a team. And after what Finch said, I believe that. Now all of a sudden they have a players-only meeting? What, what's that mean? I mean, it's trouble for them, which, which I really didn't believe that this was, they were a team in trouble. I, 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 <laughs> and I mean, that's what you, players only meetings are for, right? Yeah, because if you look down and say for seventy percent of the series we've led, we've dominated for seventy percent of the series. Mm-hmm. We got to we have to be better at what do we do in end of game situation, or what are we what are we trying to get accomplished in uh, high stakes possessions? I think that's been the biggest problem for them is who takes the shot, who orchestrates what you're trying to get done. That's been their the the biggest problem, the connected play that they have throughout the game, and a lot of times how they move and play is not the way that they finish the game. They finish the game being whoever the hot guy is. Let's just get him the ball and let him go. Mm-hmm. Well, the Grizzlies have done a good job of now taking away that and then not giving up offensive rebounds, and now they found a rhythm. And the, and, and the big thing we say is, who on the Wolves are going to make the big shot when they need to make the big shot? Who's that guy? Like, for the Grizzlies, we know exactly who that is. We know how he's going to get it, where he's going to get his shots, and what's going We know that. For them, it's still a, a feeling out period. And so I think that's why they have their struggles. But the players only meet. I, I wouldn't this, – they're not – this isn't – it's not desperation. This isn't like uh, – unless there are other things going on that we don't, that we don't know. Yeah. They're not playing like there are other things going on. Hell no. I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) Fish, the the truth of the matter, if we want to sit here and be honest, yo, the Grizzlies should really be at home watching the playoffs from here. Mm -hmm. It should have been a 4-1 Minnesota win in this series. But the Grizzlies are up 3-2. A lot of that is because I still think because Memphis is the better team, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, they they are just... is the Are the Wolves a good basketball team? Is it a tough matchup? Do they have... Three players that are they're great individuals, yes. But the Grizzlies are still a better basketball team. That's why, in essence, when you really – if we would have flipped this and said the Grizzlies had 70% of the lead, they dominated for that amount of time, this would be a 4-1 series over and done with. Well, Brevin, when we talk about what are the key factors of game six, I, I, I almost – feel like I could argue any key factor that we would throw out there. My key factor for game six is find a way. Just find a way to get a win. Because two of the three wins have been just finding a way to get a win. And then the other game, they played really, really well. And in Minnesota, I think you could make the argument they kind of played content with winning one in Memphis. So when Minnesota's played, played... It's been really difficult for the Grizzlies. Find a way. Just find a way. I'm going to say right now, turnovers, offensive rebounds. Okay. Turnover, those, those two areas. Points off turnover, I guess that goes points hand off, in hand. Is that points off, points off turnovers, offensive rebounds. Why? That's taking away possessions and it's gaining possessions. Mm-hmm. The, for me, and this, this has turned into a possessions series. They can continue to get and have more field goal attempts combined with the free throw attempts, then they're in a good place. Now, well, however, because we've already said the other statistics, we've kind of been all over the place, mm-hmm. and they've won and they've lost. But what has stayed kind of consistent has been possessions. And I, and I think in game six, possessions will be huge again. Man, I'm, uh, I'm nervous. I'm still nervous. 
I'm not as nervous as I was going into game five because I just feel like, all right, you got to get one of two. I feel pretty good that they'll get one of two. But I also feel like I want to get one of one because game seven at 2.30 on a Sunday, I don't want no part of that. No, I, 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 I honestly feel better about this game six than I did about game four here. Mm-hmm. Even after what happened with the twenty, because I always I thought that after we the comeback game, that Chris Finch would go in and say, "Well, what's any different than where we were when we started this? Mm-hmm. We won one at their place, so we gave us we banked one to say if we didn't win, so let's just go out and play this next game." How'd you feel going into Game Five? Game Five, I felt great. How'd you feel throughout Game Five? What the hell is bad? <laughs> when did you finally feel great again? When Jai hit that three. Man, when Brandon I, Clark tapped it out. He caught it, hit the three. Man, I'll tell you, I felt great when Carl Anthony Towns missed from three quarters court <laughs> and the buzzer sounded. That's when I felt great. Man. I, that, that, but I can tell you, throughout, <laughs> no, and I felt like, I felt like that was a, that telecast for, for Petey and I was a, as much as it was Taylor Jenkins. Trying to keep the team going, like mm-hmm. we're right there, we're fighting. I felt like that's what we were having to do for our fans. Yeah, it was like just like, hey, it's not, it's not because the feeling. If you think about it, what was our, was our biggest deficit thirteen? Yeah, like that. It was right before Jaws dunk. It was thirteen. Jaws made it eleven going into the fourth. They got it back to thirteen though. And what at some point? And, yeah, early. But the thing I kept saying was like, yeah, but it it was like it would be it would feel like we were down so much, and I'm like, Pete, we're down eight, nine. Yeah. You know, like it, it was. It wasn't so uh, that it was but definitely. It just felt like it, it felt like a Spurs game. No, I, it did. Like you know, the old Spurs when you'd score and you're like, yeah, here we come, boom, Ginobili hits a three, and you're like, oh, I hate Ginobili. That is why. <laughs> that's, that's how what, it feels with this team. Literally, is why I say, if it, it this it felt like it was heavier than what it was. Mm-hmm. I felt that way. Yeah. Watching it, calling it until I would look at the score. I'm like, hold on, bro. Wait, whoa, whoa. Get your, get your mind. Look, you're not playing well. We're not. We don't have any rhythm to this game. And you're down eight. Yeah. You're down eleven. Yeah. There's still a lot of time left to go. And we've seen that jump shots don't work forever. They came out in that first quarter, seven threes. They made in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They only make. Then they go for a long stretch. They make one three over the next 13, 14 minutes. Right. So it's like you you don't you don't know. You just got to keep. So I we felt like Taylor Jenkins, not just for our fans, but I think for ourselves, while we were keeping our fans. Going, we try to keep ourselves going. As I look out into the Minnesota sky and look over Target Field, they got the lights on over at Target Field. Are they playing tonight? No, no they're on the no, road. No scoreboard. Yeah, man. and there's no people. <laughs> a couple, of, there's a couple of a couple of things missing that would be good indicators. The are on. Let me tell you something. There's nothing better coming to this place again having a three-two lead. I don't know how miserable I would have been oh. on this trip if we were down three-two. That's that was the relief that I had. When I was interviewing Brandon Clark, I wanted to give him a hug and just tell him, thank God we're going back there 3-2. This, I would have a totally different feeling if we were here down 2-3. Yeah. I mean, it would be a, I would have a, a totally different feeling because this is a, this is a scary basketball team. How I mean, much? you can see how good, you look at them and you say, you look and watch and say, damn, they can be like really good. And then you watch them for a couple other minutes like, that's why they're a seven seed, and this is why we're going to win the series. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But it's um, – I don't know what I was going to say. I was, oh, this is what I wanted to ask you. One more thing I'm going to ask you before we get out of here. 
they're playing with a level of confidence that I think has helped them throughout the play-in and now through this playoff series. A level of confidence that's great. Um, how, how much can confidence boost you? You know, you always hear confidence. It's an amazing drug, <laughs> you know, because of what it can do for you. How much in the NBA does a confident team matter? It, 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 it's the reason why I think they say why you have drug addicts because they, they keep trying to chase that high. Mm-hmm. And, and what has happened with good confidence teams is they play at that high. Right. And so now you only see them at their best. And, and why do they – why can they stay being at that level? Because they have enough guys that want to keep chasing it, that want to keep getting better. There's never a time where you, you become uh, okay with where you are. They, they, they don't – they don't they, – they never settle. That's, right. that's, that's the – and so that confidence gives you the opportunity to still make that shot no matter what the circumstances are. At the end of the day – and whatever you do in life, if you're good at it, the only thing that makes you not be good at it are the circumstances. Right. Whatever whatever circumstance change that now has to throw you off kilter, that's what changes it. And so if, as a professional athlete, shooting the ball, dribbling the basketball, you do that with your eyes closed. But you change the circumstances and say, hey, if you, make this, if you don't make this shot, you lose. Oh, it becomes a different thing. Sure. But now if you're the confident person, they say, oh, when I make this shot, we go here. It's different mindsets. Right. So that com- you need that confidence to get you over the top, especially when you're playing against the best. Yeah. Because it's only it's, there's a slight edge and slight difference between a lot of these players. And that, that confidence gives you the edge that you need. Do you think the Grizzlies are a confident team? I think they are extreme. They're confident because they've proven to themselves that they, they can do it all year. And then now that within this – Series, they've proven themselves that they can turn it on. You just don't want to play with fire. Right. You don't want to. Ha- you don't want to make a habit of having to win, coming back from double digit fourth quarter deficits. Game six, man. It's gonna be exciting. It's, it's gonna be loud, man. It's, it's hopefully everybody back in Memphis, in the Memphis area, Tennessee area, uh, mid South area, everywhere. Hopefully they'll they'll. Uh, They'll be loud, proud, and enjoying it on Bally's. Yeah, and all our great fans who are watching on the app from around the country, some from around the world. However you get it. We appreciate it. it. And uh, tune in. It'll be uh, 7.30 Central Time on uh, Friday night, tomorrow night. And uh, tip off at 8 o'clock, Grizzlies-Timberwolves game six. Can't wait. I mean, this series has had everything, man. I'm, you can't, it's you can't hard have. to take it. It's no. Know what I think we're gonna have tomorrow, though, Roberto? What? A big Dylan Brooks game. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to a big Dylan Brooks game tomorrow. Walk off. Walk off with DB. Oh, okay. The villain. All right, boy. All right, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. All right, that's gonna do it for us. We'll be back with you. I don't know, either before game seven or before game one. Uh, We got something. We'll be doing something on Saturday, talking to you and uh, talking Grizzlies basketball and recapping this game six, which is going to be exciting. Can't wait tomorrow night here in Minneapolis. I'm Rob Fisher, again on Twitter at The Fish Nation. Brevin Knight on Twitter at Brevin Knight 22. The show, Night Court on Twitter at Night Court 22. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Have them tune in. If they're Grizzlies fans, it's a must listen, especially right now during this postseason. (laughs) BK, thank you, sir. I'm Fish. We'll talk to you again in a couple days.
Peace.